Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Snooze Flip is one of the most universal mattresses on the planet. You can customize your sleep experience to fit your needs. One side is soft, one side is firm, and you can flip it to the side that fits your body the best. The cover is also reversible, so one side is up to five degrees cooler and the other side is cozy and warm. The zippable cover makes the Snooze Flip a true four-in-one mattress. Don't stress shopping through hundreds of beds online. Snooze Flip has all the features in one and Snooze will ship it straight to your door. The mattress expands faster than most. You can be sleeping on your new mattress on the same day of delivery. There's a YouTube video of us unpacking Ali and RK's mattress in the bar, so go check that out for sure. Uh, you've seen it on the Discovery Channel, uh, Undercover Billionaire Season 2. Uh, Snooze sleep is selling more than just a mattress we are creating the conditions for a healthy lifestyle and a go-getter mentality when you're part of the snooze sleep uh, you are part of a community just like the dmvr community no exaggeration a community of go-getters hustlers athletes entrepreneurs the people who need to energize their bodies so they can wake up sleep sleep deep dream big uh it's a colorado-based company we love supporting those so make sure you go check it out because if you use the code DMVR, you can receive $250 off a mattress and $250 off the adjustable base. Uh, queen mattress savings are $500 with the adjustable base. The dual split king savings are $1,000 with the adjustable base. It's $1,000. So head over to snoozesleep.com. Grab your snooze slip mattress today. That's snoozesleep.com and get your snooze slip delivered straight to your door. Happy sleeping and recovery, fam. Boom. Wake up, sleepy boys, because, uh, yeah, regular season in college football may be over. Uh, you'd think, oh, it's going to just be a relaxed pod. No, the world is crumbling. The Literally, the football landscape is shifting by the minute. And here at the Draft Pod, we are here to talk about it all, the business of football, how it all connects, how it all relates to the Broncos roster, because of the ruthless business of football. Our guy, Justin Michael, ready to pop on. Boom, Daz, gone. Not the dude for the job. Gonzo, last time, last time JM was doing this, Jake, 
Henry with me. So mm-hmm. almost full crew. You love to see it. And a massive episode. We have so much to talk about. Hard out. So it's going to be compressed into we're going to condense it. Right, Hank? 59 more minutes. That's exactly. God, you great stuff by you. Uh, I'm putting up a four when we get to our final 15. Um, last time around, though, everyone, you know, J. Mike was big on Billy Napier. Well, he's the new Florida head coach. Um, that was a great call. And there was a lot of talk of Tony Alford, right? I hope I'm pronouncing that name right. The running back coach for Ohio State, former Ram himself. Well, Alford turned down Brian Kelly, um, offering him the running back coach job at LSU. So you wonder if obviously the top c- candidate for J Mike gone, gone to the last place, the last CSU coach to not get fired went. Um, but Alfred very much still there could not be the worst landing spot, but he's got you covered on all the Rams coaching carousel. That's all we can handle right now as it's breaking news. There's a lot more coaching carousel to, talk about there was a rivalry week that had one of the all-time defensive performances that maybe's reopened the Heisman a ton to get into but you know what I'm sure Hank's chomping at the bit to talk about how the conference he covers has been completely reshaped I've known this man for years I have never known him in a world where Michigan has beaten Ohio State congratulations my friend we damn it all. We did it. What a day. What a day for khaki pants. Oh, what a week for khaki pants. Um, man, tell us about that game. And uh, I haven't seen Ohio State be overmatched in the trenches like that. Just ever. Period. Um, just crazy, man. I mean, just living through this rivalry, uh, my dad being a big fan for so long. And the last, just how the 10 years have played out, I can't, even when it was 42-27, they were kneeing on the ball. It was like, oh, shit, what can go wrong here? Like, there's still something that could possibly go wrong. But, man, just <laughs> incredible performances from Ojabo, Hutchinson, Hassan Haskins for Heisman, all of them, just mm-hmm. unreal. 100%. Hutchinson, who I've compared and, you know, jokingly said, he reminds me of the third Bosa brothers. He reminds me of that Ohio State run where JT Barrett gets hurt and in the Big Ten championship against Wisconsin and then those two college football semi and final, he just took over and absolutely dominated. And from a draft perspective, what Hutchinson did has now put him in that conversation for the number one overall pick. Um, Ohio State's offensive tackles, on the other hand, in a draft class that's pretty strong at offensive tackle really fall off a cliff with what the uh, Michigan edges did it did to them. And frankly, we're not talking about it, but um, two seniors at offensive tackle for Michigan, both those dudes are guys who are, are NFL guys. I mean, they dominated, uh, but Hutchinson Hank is a crazy to be talking about him over Kayvon Thibodeau. Now it is not at all. Um, yeah. And honestly, for like a couple of different reasons, first of all, Kayvon Thibodeau can't stay healthy. And well, I think that there's plenty of fan bases who look at that and say, ah, you know, it's a fluky thing. As Bronco fans, we know that you just don't mess around with that. With Bradley Chubb going fifth overall and just not seeing the field, it's just the worst world to live in. And Kayvon Thibodeau has really struggled. I mean, what, does he have six sacks on the season because he just really hasn't played all that much? Um, he, he has been playing of all, like 
five, all the games in the second half of the season, but he's still like on a snap count or something. It's just, it's just tough to take somebody for their raw tools and traits and some production for sure. When there's the option to go after somebody like Aiden Hutchinson, who just rips up opposing offenses every week. And I think that maybe you, you can just look at Hutchinson and say higher floor at the very least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jake, that's fair. And I'd say maybe Thibodeau has a role versatility scheme versatility to his advantage, Hutchinson's just another level with that power and maybe even hands and technique to his advantage. And he's no stiff either. Like that dude has length. He's got bend. He's a, he's a dirty bad man. Right. And just pure power too. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. that one sack uh, last weekend where he just pulls through, I think uh, Nicholas Petit Ferrer. Holy moly, man. Yeah. Um, but this guy, he set the Michigan single season record for sacks with that game at 12. This is a, a, a football program that's had guys like Rashawn Gary, Brandon Graham. Like they've been pumping out edges of recent years. Um, so that's just another thing to ta- attach on him. Uh, versus Cave on Thibodeau, though, it's they're kind of they are different, obviously. Um, as you mentioned, Hutchinson, a bit more, I would say a little bit more refined, especially in the hands. Um, yeah. Uh, a bit more versatile in terms of, uh, you know, skill set. He's got a bit more, I think, in his uh, um, back pocket yeah. uh, to throw against these tackles than Kayvon Thibodeau, who's more so just a, a raw freak at this point, mm-hmm. who is someone that you're just waiting for NFL coaches to get their hands on. Um, I mean, they can go either way, though. I really want to see the testing between the two. I want to compare that uh, answer at this point, but I think that's going to be very interesting and will be, one of the highlights of the combine for sure. It kind of throws me back to that, like the 2011 draft where you have Von Miller who goes right at the top and he's not like exactly cave on Thibodeau. Thibodeau is quite a bit bigger and more of a defensive end, but, but has kind of those freakish traits. And when it worked for Von, things were incredible. He put up insane numbers. Meanwhile, you have JJ Watt sitting back there who slips down to like number 10 or whatever, 11. And he's boxy and he's a fighter and he's strong and he won a bunch of defensive player of the year awards. And I think that there might be some similarities in this like Hutchinson Thibodeau comparison there where maybe you just take the guy who is, he's just a football player. He's a very clear football player who has all the pieces put together and he's doing it in the big 10. Like what? I think three of Thibodeau's sacks this season were against UCLA yeah, who, in fairness, Ryan. maybe the best tackles in the in the Pac-12. Sean Ryan, but still, it's just not yeah. the same thing. No, it isn't. And honestly, dude, like, how much is Thibodeau living off of that one game against USC last year? And look, that's the best tackle he's faced in his career, right? So it's not like, oh, man, you know, draft Twitter is so stupid. Like, it, it's the it's the most important tape he's had in his college career because he's going against the top 15 offensive town. Now I'm guard. Um, he also, point, he also had the like 10 sacks as a true freshman, including three against Utah in the championship game. So he's had yeah. some really big moments, but again, isn't that kind of Von Millery to, to be able to look back and say, wow, these are the games that Vaughn just went out and won. Whereas Hutchinson is just kind of every week. Plus, I mean, he went out and won the Ohio state game too, which is a pretty big one. Huge. The the thing the differentiator for Hutchinson is going to be the next three games. 
They're right. such a massive spotlight, and you're going to play against the Iowa O-line. That's tape everyone's going to respect. And then you actually win that game and make it into the playoffs. You're going to get, you know, either the, the chance to kick, like, Cincinnati's tackles ass or, uh, you know, some top SEC comp, um, you know, or Oklahoma State. It's going to be tape that matters, and then you get to the final. That's going to be even more important. I I think the concern with KT in making these kind of lazy uh, or, like, more overarching based on, like, more more like the profile comp than digging in the concern with KT is that he's Jadavion Clowney, right? That he's this guy who's been lauded and talked about for years as a, even before he even hit the college football scene, he dominated instantly double digit sacks his first two years last season. It's marred by injuries and he's kind of given a pass. And then for whatever reason, Jadavion has been a very good football player in the NFL. He's made gajillions of dollars. He's never quite lived up to what he thought he could be. Um, you know, he's a, he's a bit like the Kristaps Porzingis of the NFL. Um, and that's the one concern with KT. Fair or not, because we see this a million times, just because you have even a, a bad stretch of two, three years of injuries doesn't mean that's going to continue your whole career. Look at Tim Patrick. Look at Demarius Thomas. You know, um, you just, we're this not good so far. Totally. We're not doctors. You don't just like look at this stuff and it's like, ah, uh, mm -hmm. he can never get healthy. Because guess what? When those do healthy, then you look like a complete idiot mm -hmm. because they're like transcendent talents. Um, at the same time, though, Tim Patrick, a transcendent. <laughs> I will. Um, <laughs> you, you, you look go. at the numbers. So 673 snaps for Aiden Hutchinson. He has 68 total pressures, 13 sacks, um, 38 run stops for Thibodeau. Like, it's not terrible, but 497 is far fewer snaps, 45 pressures, eight sacks, 28 run stops. And you have to remember that it's the Lions making this pick. And what do the Lions need? They need some flashy, like, see if he can... No, they need somebody who can just go in there and game after game, produce inside, fight on every play, because they just need somebody who can eat up those snaps on top of providing the big plays. Right. Hutchinson feels like a kneecap biter for sure, right? <clears throat> also, <laughs> he, he um, does. <laughs> yes, to sir. go back to that uh, kind of clowny comparison, um, just, I think the reason clowny really hasn't lived up to that hype too is because... It's he just doesn't have the sack numbers, right? He's still a good football yeah. player, yeah. especially against the run. Um, you know, he kind of, I mean, kind of struggled a bit against Lamar. I mean, but who doesn't uh, last weekend? Anyways, um, just looking at Thibodeau's stats, he does have a lot of tackles for loss, so he's going to make that impact in the run game. Um, it's just that Hutchinson's got the sack numbers at this point, right? Mm -hmm. So that's really the what you're comparing there. And I mean, if you're Detroit, why not take Hutchinson? Man, he's a Michigan kid. Uh, beat Ohio State like that's a way to rally the fan base too for sure 100 percent. and we should say like while this conversation's interesting for us it might be less interesting for Broncos fans who won't get to sniff either of these guys it's a loaded edge outside linebacker defensive yeah. end class we've talked about a lot of these guys Ojogbo's been otherworldly how good these guys have been is really going to make it to where guys like Karlaftis maybe, maybe even DeMarvin Leal my my Jay Sanders is going to have a huge opportunity with Cincy the next few games to elevate his stock. We've talked about Cam Thomas, 
Trayvon Walker yep. um, can really be a front seven impact player. I mean, the list goes on. I haven't even mentioned Drake Jackson. You know, we've touched on Sam Williams, who's been really good. Some people like speak so laudingly about uh, Jermaine Johnson out of FSU. There is so much talent. Um, and we'll get into that a little more in the second segment. There are other interesting performances. Hutch, though, is really the one that elevated itself, especially as Bryce Young struggles a bit. Um, feisty, but kind of up and down game for Roger McCreary. And unfortunately, Alabama's best wide receiver went out too. Um, also, man, that Alabama O-line, we talked about Ohio State in the trenches. Yikesies. Yikesies. It, it's, it is shocking how much in the trenches Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, um, Alabama haven't been at their usual standards this year and to some extent last year too. I thought that would never happen. I thought the college football playoffs have created enough of a divide for those programs to where that literally would be impossible to occur. And yet Auburn dominated that Bama line in ways I literally can't remember. Um, and Ohio State didn't have a tackle for a loss for the first time in like 18 years. On yeah. Defense. Let it, that set in. That's insane. Looking through 2022 recruiting rankings, like I was with you. I thought that it was just kind of done. But maybe we're still going through these long cycles oh, yeah. where it's like Bama goes way up and then, I mean, yeah. they're not falling off. They're still number two in the recruiting sure, rankings. Sure, but it's but still you, cyclical enough to mm-hmm. where, well, you first-time starter at quarterback, you're, it's not just automatic, yep. you'll win the natty. Yeah. Well, and then, and then like Clemson. Clemson now sitting there at the number 10 recruiting class. That that's right, a big right. step back. Like when you're yep. not in that top mm-hmm. two or three, like that is potential where if those guys aren't hits and then you could keep slipping, you could see other teams start to get up there. I mean, A&M is way up there. So, yeah. I mean, recruiting rankings are garbage anyway, but still though, yeah. it's all we have to go off of. And when they support my hopes that things could change and there is hope for teams that aren't Bama and Clemson, Ohio state, then I'm going to be all in. Well, let's get There's- into that. With the coaching oh, carousel. No, go ahead. go ahead, Jake. I was just going to say real quick that, I mean, there's a still a pretty big difference between guys that are five-star recruits and four-star recruits. I mean, yep. the, you get the five-star for a reason. These are absolute studs. And when you're kind of not able to hit on those, even if you're Alabama or whoever, it, it's going to hurt, man. Yep. And that is the big distinction is like, you just need five stars to win championships. And right. the difference between a five-star and a four-star is really big. But, I mean, I deal with Colorado fans all day complaining about the recruits. Like, oh, it's 10th to 12th in the Pac-12. It's like, yeah, but look at what they did. Like, you've got Nico Reed and all these young guys out there playing good snaps for you. So, yeah. Difference between three stars and four stars, there's, there's, it can be sketchy. And that's mm-hmm. where maybe there's a little bit of bias from these Raiders. You know, Owen McCown finished his season yesterday. He'd be a four-star if he wasn't committed to Colorado, and he doesn't get offers from other schools because he's so committed to Colorado. But you throw for 36 touchdowns and four interceptions and run for a bunch more and complete 70% of your passes. And in Texas high school football, nobody is that low, but that's a whole nother tangent. But these these recruiting rankings matter. It's a big reason why Dan Mullen got fired from Florida after a really good first year a bad second year and he's out um, for what seems to me at, at best, a lateral move. Um, we've seen shocking changes with Lincoln Riley, the 
number one most coveted coach in the entire football landscape, not just college football, bolting for a $110 million contract to USC. I think the implications of NIL in this are overarching and haven't been talked about enough. Um, Oklahoma is also a team that's really gone aggressively towards more Western prospects. Uh, all their top prospects on offense this year were out of California. You think of guys like Spencer Rattler coming out of Arizona. Um, seems like a very natural base for him. And um, now the Pac-12 has two real dogs in Southern California. And on top of that, I think Oregon did a really fine job of holding on to Mario Cristobal, same as AM held on to Jimbo. That's not the case with Notre Dame and Brian Kelly, who bolts for LSU. The culture fit seems weird. The football fit less so. Um, he's a guy who should be able to play some like big boy SEC football down in the bayou right from the get. Um and this now makes like LSU's always been a, a must stop for uh for scouts. <laughs> Brian Kelly's gonna get them right in the trenches. So that's really intriguing. And of course, Notre Dame moves quickly to just promote their DC and hold on to their OC. So kind of bring the band back together, even though the man in charge isn't there anymore. Um your biggest takeaways from all of this and uh you know the the greater kind of impact and implications of this stuff you know that thing where you say a word so many times that it starts to lose meaning or like oh, it yeah. sounds weird yeah. and you're like is that really what it is i've seen lincoln riley's face so much that i have that <laughs> with his face like i've just seen his face over and over and over again it's like wait that's really what his face looks like like what is going on that's that is such a that's what this man looks like um but yeah i mean that's it's huge, right? And there have been so many people saying well, Oklahoma is going to the SEC. Why would you leave? And it's like because Oklahoma is going to the SEC. Like, yeah, right, who, right. who wants that? <laughs> who who would want to be going up against Georgia and LSU when you can go to USC, easily the best, easiest place to recruit in the western half of the country outside Texas? I'm not. That's very. It, it has to be right. I mean, it's maybe short of the University of Texas. Mm -hmm. There's there can't be another place where it's easier to recruit than. It's, Southern California? Are you kidding me? Yeah, and and Utah is is your your that's who you got to get over. You got to go beat Utah. That does not sound like like it's all that tough. And um, you've got LA the LA media market where oh, yeah. USC is still the number one football team mm -hmm. in your back pocket with NILs to recruit. Oh like, yeah, like holy shit, I, this my three year old could recruit five stars to USC. It's, like it's anyone can so do it. simple. Clay Helton was doing it. It's not that right. hard. And and he can keep the quarterbacks around. And that's what the Pac-12 is needed. I mean, that's always yeah. what what was the the balancing between the Pac-12 and everybody else is that they had all the quarterbacks. And then all of a sudden, all these Southern California quarterbacks were like, "Well, wait a minute. It's easy to fly to to Bama and back to see my family or go see Christmas. My my family can get out there and go to games, and they all come from these quarterback coaches. Now they all have the money to do that anyway. Exactly. So they're like, well, so why let's do a quick recap: Matt Corral, Cali, DJ Ugalele, Cali, Bryce Young, LA. And CJ Stroud, LA, right, right, and Spencer Rattler, Arizona. Like, okay, you know, and that's yeah. why. Lincoln Riley's already feeling this because he's got A&M in his back pocket in the SEC already. Mm -hmm. He's got Bama and LSU already coming out to Texas 
in his region. So he's had to move further and further west. You're much better off trying to be the Clemson of the West at USC mm-hmm. than trying to like sneak into what's already a two to three headed monster in the SEC and become that fourth, you know? Yep. Um, yeah. And I tweeted that it's like, this is tough for Colorado to have Lincoln Riley coming into the division. And then somebody responded was like, what do you mean? They're, they're literally 0-15 against USC all time. Nothing's going to change there. They're just going to keep losing, and they're going to get TV revenue money when the new deal kicks in in three years. I'm a... Well, you go ahead, Jeff. I was just going to... I mean, does this kind of make holding on to Clay Hilton for like five years worth it now that you get Lincoln <laughs> Riley? Oh yes. I mean... So much. So. Jeez, man. Because I was... The past couple of years has just been like, what are we even waiting for? But... I mean, you just landed the biggest fish of them all. I mean, this guy could have gone to the NFL. I mean, he could have gone and he could have stayed of Oklahoma, gone to the SEC. Hell, he could have probably even gone to this LSU job. I mean, um, who, so, if Lincoln Riley uh, called the school and said, I want to go there, how many schools say no? Alabama with Nick Saban, maybe Kirby Smart in Georgia, Clemson, Clemson, yeah, for sure. So they take Dab- Dabble and said, yeah. So, you know, as Justin's told us before, Clemson does have that, like, in the back of their head. Dabo is an Bama alum. Would he bolt for Bama when that job right. opens? So maybe maybe that is more of a conversation for Clemson. Um, but, yeah, with Bama, maybe Georgia, maybe A&M, just because they're in that already. Oh, um, going well. I think uh, if Ohio State Brian, if Brian Kelly didn't leave, Notre Dame probably would have kept Brian Kelly. I think you but, think huh? he's such a culture fit there. Um, I'm not sure about Ohio State after that Michigan loss. I mean, what did what did Harbaugh say? Like sometimes yeah. you're you're born on third base and think you hit a triple. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have Brian Day. I don't think he's a bad coach, but he's wow. still. It was God. I love him. But I know I wow. do too. Now. Where did that come from? What a glow. Yeah. Brian Day has not him. shown us that he's a bad coach in any way, but, but. you got to keep it going for like two more years before you say, and, and when Lincoln Riley's sitting there, you got to have the conversation, right? And let's be clear. I mean, it's Lincoln like, Riley. They got punked. They've been that perimeter dominated team. And all of a sudden they got smacked down. This was very like, it's football. Oh, Oklahoma plays Bama in the national semifinal. And it's like, okay, r- welcome to big boy football, son. <laughs> like this, this is actually how real Natty contenders play football. And you're getting just schooled 40 to 20. That's what happened. That's how That's football happened, works. Straight up. No, I mean, this has been the year. Like run fits and O-line play are making such a huge comeback, you guys. Uh, actually that's, that's the hottest Christmas gift this year is run fits O-line play. They are so back NFL college, all levels, man. We're back, baby. We're back. We finally gone so far with spread and counter spread nickel defenses that now it's like, literally there isn't a team in the NFL that when everyone know everyone in the stadium knows oh, they're nursing a double-digit lead. They're just going to run the ball. All you have to do is stop the run. There's not a team in the NFL outside of maybe the Bucks and Colts who can actually do that anymore. Not it's crazy. One. I mean, not you, The Broncos and the Cowboys. It's like, oh, how did the Broncos beat the Cowboys? It's like, what are you talking about? One team actually was out there playing physical football. 
The other team has a quarterback and some really good receivers and a good running back. And that's going to carry you to wins uh, uh, fairly often. But sometimes and then it's you, the Broncos and Eagles, right? Exactly. Like, yep. can't, can't stop the run to save your life because we it's all we ball. know how to do anymore is finesse. That's all we know how to do anymore. That's garbage. And it's the it's the Chiefs problem to a T. Um, oh, yeah. And shit, the Rams have gotten away to it. You want to know what the Rams struggles are? They're, mm-hmm. they're a passing only offense. They used to run the ball. Right. They used to right. run the ball. That Two used to be ends. their bread and butter. And go back to that great quote. And now he doesn't abide by it. But that great quote by the Chargers coach about why you run the ball, why running the ball matters. And it's not about play action. You can always like throw in play action plays mm-hmm. and that's still. But running the ball, it just puts an, a different sort of stress on the defense and it it brings a physicality that you just don't get when all you do is pass the ball um and we're seeing this and michigan's win huge part of that and i mean shit look what utah's done to some teams the last exactly exactly you look at it's mad i'm colorado fans after the (laughs) offensive coordinator darren cheverini gets fired and they're like oh how are you gonna recruit it's like yeah, you're not going to have 11 playable receivers anymore. I'm sorry. But he never recruited any offensive linemen, and you kept getting beat up because no. of it. Like, right. you got to – that is what matters. That's what's missing. That's what's no. tough to find. It's no. – to, to go true. back to the Michigan game, I mean, this is mm-hmm. something that uh, Colin Coward was talking about after the game, just that, you know, yeah, you can have C.J. Stroud, you can have all the receivers, you can have all the flash and all that, but – at the end of the day, you're playing football in the Midwest at the end of November. Where That's the other thing. Yes. It, it, the weather that's great in the skies, man. There's a little bit of a crosswind. Like mm-hmm. the ball's not going to be exactly on target as you're used to. And, you know, obviously this is when championships are won, man. You yeah. got to be able to play in this time of year, especially in these conferences where you're going to have to deal with the elements. Um, can we, I want to go back to Oklahoma real quick, though, because holy cow, they got absolutely gutted um not only do you use lincoln riley you lose alex grinch who probably was a candidate to replace riley right massive and then for usc uh, yep. maybe yeah, underrated that's the biggest part in all of this potentially right. how is he not in a head coach already we were talking about him like three years ago his right name, he's been he's been a finalist for big jobs like baylor and oregon before. exactly it's, it's kind of like venables no. It's like Venables right. at Clemson, where it's just like whenever he wants to, he should be able to go get a decent well, job. And in fact, yeah. there's been major Venables buzz at Oklahoma. His kids graduated. Yeah. Um, and then just they got to go back to recruiting, man. I don't know if you guys saw on Monday. It was a freaking bloodbath for how bad Oklahoma got gutted of guys just decommitting. It was the five stars, four stars, quarterbacks, receivers. It was just brutal. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's been fun seeing Colorado offer those guys too. <laughs> might have, hey, might as well. They had totally. a they had a running back who was like, I mean, you guys know what he's like. He's a four star. He's crazy fast. He ran for thousands of yards, and now it's like, oh, Colorado's very much in play there, which would be so much fun. Everybody's well, just poaching. It might be. I mean, what does this mean for Oklahoma head to the SEC in a, a year or two? I mean, oh, they're they just going to talk this about disaster. You cannot back into the SEC and expect to be able to conundrum. dig your way out. Yeah. And do you go for like Stoops' brother? Solid program. He's built at Kentucky, knows that place like the back of his hand, and he knows the SEC. So this is why I want to get into Oklahoma because God, now they are open, which of hire. course is yep. it's very interesting to have this job open. I mean, yeah. 
Urban Meyer. I mean, what yep. if they? I mean, come on, man, that would be insane if they go from Lincoln Riley to mm-hmm. Urban Meyer. Um, yep. What if Bob Stoops comes back for two or three years? Kind of helps transition yep. them into the SEC. Like it's right. Insane. They need well, a big and- name to help with the recruiting and all that kind of stuff and getting into the SEC. It it can't be like I don't I don't think you necessarily oh, you go after to. like a Luke yes. Fickle. I think Luke Fickle's maybe like at that that line. It's like him him or up. He's a, and Luke Fickle presents a gajillion other pro- problems. That's why I think Notre Dame ended up moving quickly on their current DC rather than waiting on Fickle because Fickle's potentially a month away. Right. If they win the American and are in the playoffs, um, which if Georgia wins the SEC should be basically a lock. We'll get into that in a sec too. Um, so yeah, that presents a ton. Of, and here's the other thing. There's a lot of Cliff Kingsbury buzz. There was some oh, Matt yeah. rule to Notre Dame buzz. Well, why would there be NFL buzz? Because at this point, if the running rate for a top 15 college coach is John Gruden money, which is 10 by 10, 10 years, 10 million per year, hundo, easy. Lincoln Riley cleared that. That's the Jimbo contract. Mel Tucker got given five, five mil short of that. So now that's just the running rate, right? So everyone's saying, well, shit, if I'm just going to drop a hundred million, I might as well go poach Lincoln Riley. I might as well go poach Brian Kelly. I might as well go after Cliff Kingsbury because NFL coaches don't make that kind of money. I might as well go after Matt rule. Cause again, even with a new ownership in Carolina and he's the hot name and blah, blah, blah. He's on his third losing season. They haven't figured out the quarterback thing. Mm -hmm. And even the hottest NFL coach, isn't even sniffing that kind of bag and after gruden probably never will frankly i mean Seriously? Right. i mean uh yeah maybe the cowboys because jerry jones is an idiot but like short of that you really because why would you belichick and mike tomlin are now the oh Uh-oh. we broke up he was saying something about belichick i just googled him belichick makes 18 million dollars a year well, the Patriots too. They've never. They've. I don't think they've ever really like blatantly said his salary. Uh, there because there was a. No. I, I know earlier in the decade, um, in the 2010s, it was like a big topic of controversy. Like, oh, like how much is Bill check? Like, no one actually knows how much he's actually getting paid. Um, so yeah, that's crazy. I mean, but that's what you have to like. Who doesn't think the coaches are worth it, especially when you're making right. so much money? Like the the Patriots are profiting hundreds of millions of dollars every year. Yeah, you invest in a coach. You could argue right. that that's as important as a quarterback. Like exactly. blowing that much money just makes sense for that position. And, and we're just finally, I think, seeing the market realize how important coaches are and treating them that way. And and eventually, it's honestly what I think is going to happen is Oklahoma is going to land Cliff Kingsbury and give him a massive deal. And then that's going to kind of be the, the end of this whole cycle just because it's kind of you pull from the NFL and plug the gap instead of just bumping everybody into that gap. Man, I mean, I, I haven't been a fan of a lot of what Keith, uh, Kingsbury's done outside of this year, but yep. if if you're leaving a top NFL team for the college, things are changing drastically because that is insane. But that that's where we're at. That's what, like we've been saying it on this pod for several years, but by a mile, call it being being a coach at a top college program is more appealing than being a coach in the NFL. 
And maybe that's not the case if you're the coach of like the Pittsburgh Steelers. There might be two, three franchises that applies to maybe the Green Bay Packers. Dallas. It's I'd much rather be the highest paid state employee of Alabama, of California, run one of those big programs than have to answer. The problem is it's a much harder job. It like is like you have to job. you have to spend so much yes. more time. You I mean because yes. you have to recruit every waking moment that you are. Wait, not you're saying college planning. is harder? Oh, much harder. Oh, it takes no so way. many more hours, so many more hours because you have to recruit. Like that's what all the guys who get in the college say. That's that's what even Carl's saying. Like go, spending all this time recruiting is just so much. Uh, yeah, it's close, no. but I mean you also have to deal with teenagers and young twenty year olds as a college coach, whereas you're dealing with grown men in the NFL and boosters. True. 80s yeah you got a lot of people breathing down your neck i think you have the right amount at one of those true dream jobs like an ohio state you have enough resources big staffs you know that's the problem at colorado is uh, you're not allowed to pay assistant coaches more than so much so you're really undermanned in the assistance you do have with one of many problems um but I think in those places where Love you do have all the resources in the world, it's probably just as time intensive. Hmm. Um, There's just no off season. But, but Henry, you're not having a game plan against Belichick every week. I mean, you still have to game plan, though. You only get to add one first rounder at best every year. In yeah. college, you get to add, you know. 18, 18 four stars a if year. If you're man. on the road all summer, if you 18. don't take a vacation. Well, in the NFL, you don't even get if you're head coach. Some most of the time, you don't even get control over who's on your roster. It's another right. guy above you who's bringing guys in, and he's just saying, "Here, this is what I'm giving you. You yeah. have to figure it out now." That control is a blessing and a curse. Debate. Well, that is true. That is true. I mean, it does all fall on you, and it's why you know college coaches are prone to twenty times more scandals and stuff than <laughs> they are NFL coaches. Um, also, Dre, when you cut out. I just looked yeah. it up. Belichick 18 estimate million. eighteen million. Tomlin six million. Well, that, See, right, and that's but like Tomlin needs to go get poached. But the big, the big chunk. By the way, that's why I was talked about as a USC coach. And by the way, Mike, don't get mad about that's why you're being asked and Bill isn't. Bill's making five times the back now. John Elway's also making like ten million a year. So I'm assuming a, a major chunk of Belichick's 18 is coming from the executive side. Also worth mentioning, Josh McDaniels making $4 million a year as an OC. I'm assuming wow. that's the highest paid coordinator job in all of football. To put that into reference, though, Hugh Freeze at Liberty coming off a 7-5 and five season, also making $4 million per year. How do you like those apples, Henry? Do they taste like sexual scandal and recruiting violations <laughs> in the SEC and you're still getting paid as much as Josh McDaniels? Because that's what that apple tastes like to me. Let me let me throw this at you. Yes. The Broncos profit in the last non-COVID year, $114 million. Sean Payton makes $9.8 million. If I were to, to walk in as the Broncos GM and the first thing I do is just say, we're let's just give Sean Payton $20 million. Is that really a bad idea? Well, I mean, when you don't have an owner to shell out cash at the moment, that is a bad idea. But if you have an owner to shell out the cash, why not? 
I mean, the, now, the profits are $114 million. That money's around there somewhere. Those profits, in part, do need to go to the players who make up for a large payroll. That's subtracted and, um, from that number. 114 is just oh, wow. profit. That's amazing. No, now, the NFL the advantage, teams make a lot of money. It's worth the, the investment in coaches. USC and these other programs have is they don't have to pay their players. <laughs> true. Yeah. Reminding everywhere. That's true. I mean, Michigan State doesn't even need to pay their coach. Two boat boosters just showed up and said, hey, we have $100 million. We're going to chip in. Let us just get this guy covered for 10 years. And then it set the college football world on fire. It's outstanding. Um, so clearly we can't get enough Love of it. it. I envy and feel also bad that Justin is now in the throes of a coaching carousel right now as we speak. So Colorado State does not have those boosters. <laughs> they are not living in this world. One day, Justin will secure that bag and be that booster. Yeah. <laughs> We're getting him there, baby. Very excited to hear who this coach is and then immediately Google him to figure out who he is. <laughs> right. That's <laughs> coaching for you. Yep. All right, Henry, let's take a break. Lots to cover and we won't make our heart out, but we'll extend that for 10 minutes and still try to make that. <laughs> Perfect. DraftKings Sportsbook, beyond being the presenting sponsor of this podcast, is the presenting sponsor of my happiness. Um, I, I bet a lot. I'm actually on a cold streak, Dre. I'm on a really mm. cold streak. Everything I touch turns to shit. I mean, you know what I did last That's night going around abs lose around. nuggets, lose buffs, lose. Of course I lost a bunch of money, yeah. but the, the, the dry days of Colorado sports, they can't last that long. No. The nuggets are not a below 500 team. The avalanche yes. aren't a team that lose eight to three. And Colorado isn't going to play USC every night. There's a lot of money to be made, including I'm going to make some money on this Bronco game on Sunday. I don't know what the line is. This Broncos money line, though, it's going to be incredible. Javante Williams just pounding the rock up the middle. It's like, yeah, the I saw a video today where it's like the the Chiefs front four has started to really pull it together. And it's like, yeah, congrats. The Broncos did that to the Cowboys, too. It's what happens when you play the Cowboys. But but I mean, it's a I'm fired up and they've got an awesome promotion this week. You, uh, you just bet $1 on any team to score. And if they score, you get a hundred dollars. It's a great deal. Use that promo code DNVR when you sign up to take advantage of it. And again, all you gotta do, download the, the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Now use the promo code DNVR, bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code DNVR this week at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Also, want to give a shout out to our friends over at Green Mountain Dental Group. Uh, if your teeth need cleaned and uh, you're in the Denver metro area, or you know what? Even if you're not in the Denver metro area, take a trip out here. You get to see the DMVR bar. You get to go out to Green Mountain Dental Group. And you get to schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam and pick up a free Sonicare toothbrush. I don't know what those are worth, but I guess it's worth at least like 50 bucks. I don't know what a flight to Denver is, but that's got to, for a lot of people, be at least like a a significant portion of the flight. So make the trip out, count the toothbrush as part of the, like, I don't know, the earnings. Make some money with DraftKings Sports Require out here too. And remember that there are huge Colorado sports fans out there. Um, That's why they obviously are coming to us for advertisements and that's why we want to support them because we like to support the sports community here again 15 minutes away from downtown denver green mountain dental group get free sonicare toothbrush with a cleaning x-ray and exam 
Real quick. Boom. Real quick. Um, I wanted to mention this earlier when we were talking about KT versus Aiden. If you had to put odds on it, who goes first? What are your, what are you making it? I still think it's Kayvon. Um, I it's close though. It's and like a minus line? 150 plus 120 type of deal to me. That's what I was thinking. Yep. I would go the other way. I okay. think Hutchinson has a slight advantage in the minus 130s or so in KT's in the plus 150s. So, yeah, I'd basically flip that and we can see what it is on DraftKings right now. I'm curious. Oh, maybe they took it down. Um, mine's loading as well. Oh, man. This is I great think. content. Team futures, <laughs> player futures. No nope. promotions. No, nope, oh. Henry, it's down. It's down. Well, it's down. I'd really like to see Heisman odds too. We don't get those in Colorado, but all the same. Because I, I think Hutch might be the favorite at this point. Um, we wanted to touch on this Dane Brugler mock on The Athletic. Um, interesting stuff. I'll let you guys kind of take it away with your biggest takeaways. In fact, you suggested this one, Jake, so I'll let you take it. Um, they get into yeah. the Broncos pick and kind of the strengths of this draft and where Denver would be best to go. Yeah, top 10 really interesting here. Um, Hutchinson is going one, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau two. And then uh, and you go all the way down to six, a guy that we've talked about a lot recently, Devin Lloyd, uh, with a massive rise there. Uh, Linderbaum, yeah. Kyle Hamilton, uh, Karlaftis, and then the first quarterback at 10 overall to Carolina is Kenny Pickett. Wow. And then, I, I mean, interesting, like, Ikim Ikwanu, the left tackle for NC State, who's just like massive, such a wide base going fifth. Lindenbaum going seventh. I've I can't even think of the highest drafted center since I've been doing this in the last 10 years, but Billy Price went pretty high. He was like 20 something, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um that's a good one. And uh God, the two the two uh, Florida brothers would oh, kind of qualify. The Pouncey yeah. brothers are probably now at high too. Yeah. So you're talking at most top 15, low teens, early 20s. Um, so, geez, seventh oh. overall. The mock the actually the Giants with all the Giants need. You know? The mock actually says since the merger in 1970, only once has a center been drafted in the top 10. And that was Bruce Matthews who moved around. Hall of Famer, um, right? Yeah. Hall of Famer for sure. Um, man, that would be I, I'm not anti-Lindenbaum by any means, but whew, that would be high. Um, so those are some big takeaways. And yeah, pick it kind of kind of locking that thing down, man. I, I think Matt, go ahead, Hank. I do like the center pick a little bit better for these teams that have multiple picks up there. Like, yeah. like when you're also getting like a a corner or whatever other player that's a high value pick. I think it's easier to justify saying, Hey, this is the best center on the board. We need a center. Let's just go get a good one. Man. I would have a hard time justifying that pick. Still have Giants a hard taking, time, but easier. Giants in the top 10 back to back at six and seven, taking a linebacker and a center positional yeah. value is uh, <laughs> yikes. Yeah. Now Lloyd can do some stuff on the edge. So maybe you can kind of justify it that way. Um, but eesh. um lots man, and 
Pickett won Sam Howell going 16th to the Steelers. Those are your top two quarterbacks, which I think is really interesting. Matt Corral going 19th. You know, in all this, the lane train and um, uh, first 10 win season and a minute for Ole Miss, Matt Corral's hype has really dropped off. Um, and you see all the big wins they have against AM, LSU, um, Mississippi State. His numbers just aren't that great. I mean, um, these last few games have been solid, though. Like, I was just looking this morning, um, completing 65%, then 75%, then 76%, 247, 331, 234. He did have interceptions in both the last two games or four on the season. But again, it's all for like, under 250 yards, though. I mean, so it's just eating up those little slants. He's reading yeah. off the RPO. He's not it's doing true. anything at a high level. It's like high school quarterback. It's true. But, I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, what? Uh, last year, you have Jalen Hurts. He had some big games. Trey Lance was putting up, like, under 200 a game. I, you, you've seen it oh, before. That's very different. different you know that. Yeah. yeah, he's he has, like, all the other tools. I don't know. I, I'm, not, I'm not quite as low on Corral. I, I don't know. I feel like I was kind of coming around on Corral, uh, mm-hmm. like October, middle of the season. Um, and it's just, I mean, he's kind of got some of that like Baker Mayfield attitude to his game. And I think that's something sure. that attracts a lot of fans. Um, he also tall. does true. <laughs> uh, like one actually on the site I'm seeing, that um, they say? Okay. but um, he also has like this confidence when throwing the football, like in the tight windows and stuff that I really like. Um, I mean, of course there's more that goes into it and there's going to be a lot more that we'd look into and talk about over the next few months. But um, again, though, it's not like anything super like crazy or special. Like I definitely could see the argument for anyone else over him um, that we've mentioned, you know, mm-hmm. in this quarterback collective. Yeah, no, I mean, I see both your points. I just, I, I worry about the turnovers. Like if that's who you're going to be as a quarterback, then you can't afford those turnovers. You can't have Coming into the year. Yeah. That was my big that, concern with him. And still, even this year, you know, in all those big games, he does have a pick here, a pick there. Um, but boy, Sam Howell ahead of him. That's a take, man. That's a take. Sam Howell is toolsy. Um, but oof. now, Brugler does mention part of the incentive there in that selection is that the Steelers have evaluated him multiple times this year, you know, and like mm-hmm. Justin was at the Nevada game last Saturday with George Payton in the press box with him evaluating Carson strong. Like this is happening. We've talked about games that George Payton's been around uh, the Liberty Ole Miss was one as well. Right. And interesting to not mm-hmm. see Malik Willis in here. Um, he does give the Broncos Jordan Davis, the stud nose tackle uh, for Georgia, who had some Heisman buzz early on. I think that's died off. Is he the best nose tackle since Vita Vea or Dwayne Brown is uh, Dwayne Brown top 10 pick as a nose tackle Derek out Brown. of Auburn. Derek Brown. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Dwayne Brown's the big ass guard out of Bama last year. Um or is he more in that Derek Brown range? Oh, man. Um, I, I really like Jordan Davis, man. He's um, amazing. <laughs> I, I do think he's Vita like, Vea was maybe a different level of freak, but that's like... But yeah. he's... Jordan Davis is like comparable just because he's absolutely freaking massive. Like, yep. I yep. mean, Derek Brown was a huge like guy too, but 
these guys, like Jordan Davis and Vita Vea are like different level big kind of. It's like six, it's six three sixty. Yeah, six six, six, six three sixty. Yeah. yeah, like that's uh, yeah, and and to me, like the reason I like it is because if the Broncos are picking in the low teens, that just feels like bust territory. Um, you know, Sylvester Williams is kind of an example of a guy who you get and it's just like, you know what, at six six three sixty, and what we've seen from Jordan Davis, he's not going to get pushed around. At the very least, he is going to anchor your run game. And does that mean like he he might not live up to first round hype? For sure, but that's true right. of all these guys. If he can add the pass rushing, if he's explosive in the run game, whatever, then all of a sudden you you are getting one of the very best nose tackles in the game, and and that's why, especially when you think about what this team is, I think there's a good chance they're going to roll into next year with all those linebackers: yeah. Josie Jewell, Alexander Johnson, mm-hmm. Kenny Young, who are like a bunch of Aaron guys Browning who has been a stud. Yeah, but mm-hmm. you you don't have you know uh, a true big time inside linebacker right there. You've got a bunch of guys who you, who are pretty good, clog things up for him, make it easy on him. And just, I, I love what he could do for the running game. And I think that's kind of my, my it's, it's worth the first round pick. Well, we just talked about how the run matters more. It, it's making a comeback. Um, but that will be the question is his value with the top 20 selection will be based on how much of an impact can he have on third down? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, if, if you're in a division where you're time trying to beat Tom Brady every, you know, three times a year, a guy like him who can really crumble a pocket on third down, even if he's not creating penetration does matter. Cause he takes away that window for Tom to step up in Mahomes guys like this, who are happy to be flushed out and operate on the perimeter. Maybe it lessens that value a little bit. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think you put it well, Henry. Um, and to me, this draft, look, if the Broncos are drafting here, there is so much talent as far as front seven impact players. I mean, both the top inside linebackers are gone. Tons of edges before and after the Broncos selection at 17. And there's D-line help. It's not just Jordan Davis. It's not just DeMarvin Leal. It's not just Cam Thomas or Trevon Walker. There is lots of intriguing five-tech defensive tackles if you were to move back to an even front. And that was not the case the past couple drafts. Um, On top of that, there's a ton of offensive tackle talent. So if you get a front seven impact player or maybe your right tackle of the foreseeable future, man, that would be such a key building block to come out of with this draft. And maybe multiple of those, since you have all these uh, day two picks as well. If it, on the other hand, you reach on a quarterback. Eh, yes. Yeah. You know, we always talk about maximizing the strengths of a class. That's where I would, uh, I see the strengths in this class. Right. I mean, we've talked about it multiple times at this point where it looks like the Bronco, it kind of like the, the Drew Locke here where you just kind of sit pat for the mm-hmm. first 50 picks or so and you yeah. just kind of see who falls in terms of quarterbacks. And then if you like the guy, might as well take the shot there. I mean, you're not going to get the fifth-year option, but that's insane value if you do hit. Yep. And and on top of that, when you look at if, if that is the strategy and, I mean, the Broncos' offensive line has been good. Like it's been it's been a good line these last couple of weeks, and that's that's missing pieces. And you don't expect Bobby Massey back next missing year. Missing key pieces. They've oh, been Calvin an Anderson? outstanding offensive line, the best O line we've seen in at least six years. Yeah, I I think I mean if if there's a tackle there that you like and is a good value, you still take him. 
but I don't think that you necessarily have a, a need in the same way that I would have said you do a month ago. You know, if, if you sure, go another sure. season with Calvin Anderson or I, and, and that, I mean, there's other options too, but just mm-hmm. as an example, it's, it's not the end of the world in my opinion. And it, when you don't have that need anymore, at least not glaringly, and you're willing to be patient on quarterback, it really opens this draft up for you to take just whatever you want. I mean, you could go corner if, if it turns out, you know, Stingley drops because people realize that his tape hasn't right. been so good recently. Mm-hmm. You want right. to take that shot. You can take that shot. Um, I, well, and I mean, guys really like clear Elam, um, you yeah. know, Andrew Gardner. Booth Jr., Gardner, all those guys could be a very appealing pick in the top 20. And we know how George Payton likes to draft. We know how important corners have been to Vic, who's seemingly signing a big name and free agent or drafting one high every season. He's been the head coach in Denver. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's not going, out of the question at all. Going back to the offensive line, though, I got to admit, I've really have worried about it a lot less, especially in recent yeah, years, just because sure. of freaking Mike Munchak, man. I mean, mm-hmm. when you have that and he's yeah. really, and you've, you've seen the value in him obviously over the last few yeah. seasons and just how good of a coach he is. Like they don't take a tackle and they think they're fine with what they have. Then I'm fine with it too. And, and on the inside, you know, you have Cushionberry, you've got Moody, you've got, is Glasgow there Miners. another year? I think Glasgow I think, is. I think there's one more year. Yeah. Reisner, and yep. you've got uh, miners, miners. And out of those five, save four. You just get rid of Glasgow, save the money. You've got to be able to find three that work, right? And and I, I, if if they take the route of just saying, you know what, this that second third round pick, we're gonna get the best offensive lineman available and just add him to the mix. And maybe next year he turns out to be one of the guys. I don't hate the strategy. Again, we've still got a month left in the season, no, and sure, this is sure, where. Sure the offensive line really needs to show December football, but yeah. mm-hmm. coming off a couple of good weeks where they've been running the ball. Well, I'm, I'm willing to, to buy a little bit of the hype. No, totally. I would just warn that, you know, Munchak's kind of a gift, but you don't know how long he'll be there. Um, right. And like, look at the Steelers, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you just got to have some, some things in play. And if this is going to be your identity, you're kind of a running offense behind Javante Williams. Well, shit, having a blue chipper there on the right side would be a nice added asset, you know? And um, also, I mean, if this is Vic's last year too, it, it's very possible that it might be Mike Munchak's last year in Denver as well. Absolutely. It's possible. Right. And right. at the same time, if Vic is back and they move on from Shermer, I don't hate the idea as Mike Munchak is OC. I think that it's it's really easy to just go with the, the passing guy for OC, but we've seen that sometimes those guys do not know how to scheme the run game right. And if this is what you want to do, putting Munchak there, I think scheming a passing game is sneaky easier than getting guys to run and block the right way and understanding what your strengths are, especially if you want to find a good quarterbacks coach somewhere and say, hey, come be our quarterbacks coach slash slash passing game coordinator. We'll give you a bump and pay to go with it. You design the passing concepts and, and be in Munchak's ear a little bit. It's not the worst thing in the world. If you're trying to keep Mike Munchak around. I like that. I mean, he gets a little bit of promotion. You bring in fresh blood in terms of quarterback coach and passing game. Um, I mean, if you, as long as you're able to cut, like keep Mike Munchak and obviously this play calling and the overall passing game design has to be better. um, Then it's a win-win in that situation. Yeah. I'm, I worry that he's not a play caller, but. I do think that keeping him should be a priority. I mean, we just talked about McDaniel's contract. I 
I think he's worth, you know, a hefty position coach contract. Let's get into a quick break and then uh, preview these games and how they will play into the final college football playoff rankings. Uh, It's football season, baby. You know what that means? It means Uh, we're going for two here with the sponsor of today's show. Manscaped. Yes. Uh, blitzing through hairs has never been easier, and it's time you join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by using code DMVR at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. It's three and out the window with all other trimmers. Now go tame that wildcat offense. I actually don't know why that means we're going for two. Is that because there's two million men? That must be. I, um, I was expecting something I think about we're going for two because we have two balls. That's what that's I where assume. I wanted it to I go. Thought, that's what I, I thought we were getting a poop joke. I know I was I wanted a poop joke, too. Well, people can make up their own poop joke in their minds while I talk about more of this Um, Insert poop joke here. (laughs) Yes. Uh, The performance package 4.0 for Manscaped. It's the perfect package for your package. And it's a key for a great grooming and hygiene routine to make sure the boys downstairs are smooth like Tom Brady in the fourth quarter. The brand new lawnmower 4.0 is here to take your defense to the next level. This fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. Thanks to their advanced skinscape technology. The lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor, a new multifunction on off switch. It can engage a travel lock and gives you the ability to turn the 4,000 K led spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. It's waterproof. Uh, range, snow, sleet, no match for this water or the waterproof power, the 4.0, um, no four or no 15 yard penalty for this clipping. Uh, so many awesome products. Make sure you go check them out. The crop preserver ball deodorants in there, the crop reviver ball toners in there. Um, and again, if you use the code DNVR, get 20% off and free shipping from manscaped.com. Again, that's 20% off and free shipping from manscaped.com with the code DNVR. Stiff arm your pubes out of the playoffs this year with Manscaped. Be gone, pubes. Um, and better job picking up the blitz Manscaped does than uh, mm-hmm. the Broncos under Pat Shermer. Mm-hmm. Which to me has been a real issue the last few years. Um, knocked Teddy out that last game. All right. Let's get into final college football weekend. I mean, really, the final weekend came last week. Now it's conference championship stuff. Bittersweet. Truly bittersweet. Let's start with the ones with the serious, serious playoff implications. There are three. No, four. We'll start with the SEC championship. Um, This could very easily be our contender for most watch tape of draft season. Mm -hmm. Once it's all Mm -hmm. said and done, Georgia against Alabama. We get the Marvin Leah. No, Evan. Neil mm-hmm. against uh, Jordan Davis and Trayvon Walker, uh, Nicobe Dean, uh, Nolan Smith, Adam Anderson, unfortunately won't be playing. Um, but that entire explosive Georgia front, we get to see Bryce Young early against those guys. We get to see uh, Clemson transfer Denard Kennard against Mechie and the other explosive wide receivers. For Alabama, and then on the other side, we get to see a really good Georgia offensive line um, and some linebackers that will all be intriguing later round picks, and even George Pickens potentially back against that Alabama um, defense that's really come along come around um, in the second half of the season. 
Georgia is favored by six and a half. Is that what you guys have as well? Uh, and um, what do we have? I'll take Bingham Georgia. Bulldogs. Yeah. yeah. And this is a tough one. This is, I mean, it's not tough to pick. I think Georgia manhandles them. I just don't think this Bama team can keep up. I mean, they, they just oh. about lost to Auburn last week, and they didn't. Oh. And in any other sport, all that matters is the win or the loss. In college football, that is not true. What matters is what it looks like, and that didn't look good. It was a close game against Arkansas before that. I don't have much faith at all in Bama at this point. Um, I'm looking more for to Bryce Young and how he handles this defense. You already kind of mentioned it, Andre, but I think this is just going to be a huge game in terms of how he progresses into the off season and into next season where he's of course draft eligible. Um, I mean, it's only going to get harder from here on out. So you definitely want to see how he performs in these tests. Hopefully no turnovers um, just in terms of evaluation standpoint, hopefully no turnovers Um, of course, no injuries, but uh, if he's under siege, uh, like he was a bit last week, man, could get a bit tough yeah i um i mean everything you guys said makes me think this is a complete trap and it could be extremely low scoring because uh stenson bennett is on the other side and hasn't been tested the way nick saban's defense and scheme will be able to test him it's true yeah at the same time, I think slowly but surely Georgia gets them, starts to get going, and uh, wins by double digits. So I will take the dogs here. The They're just other better this year. By a mile, and not just better than Bama, better than anyone else. Um, mm-hmm. And then the other one's the Big Ten Championship, where you know we just talked about Tyler Lindenbaum. Well, what better test than this going against that dominant Michigan front? It's two teams that have very similar identities. I think it's two teams of all the 130 in division one, there are maybe three or four who would be a slightly tougher matchup for Georgia. I think these happen to be two of those teams because again, run fits and O-line do matter. Um, And this is going to be a really intriguing test for Michigan. How can they keep that focus after a monumental win? Wolverines 10 and a half point favorites. I hate to say it, but I think I'm gonna I would side with Iowa here. I mean, also, I mean, Iowa has ruined so many Michigan seasons that plus three forty money line too may be worth considering. Um <clears throat> it's gonna come down to the quarterbacks, I think. I mean, they're gonna both try and run the ball. It's gonna be who makes a big throw late, who doesn't turn the ball over. Um, potentially another low scoring game too. Yeah. I I that's just so many points. And it, I like what you said. It's gonna be low scoring. I I do, I hate betting on Iowa. I just don't buy them at all. Um, but when you give them that many points, it, it just you have to do it. It's really true. Um, it's really true. And I also I really worry about these teams coming off these monumental wins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then let's get into Cincy Houston. It's going to be Cincy's first ranked opponent since Notre Dame. Um, they too are 10 and a half point favorites. I'm taking uh, the Bearcats, I think, man. I think they've got a lot to play for. They know that they still have to win big in terms of uh, impressing the committee. I mean, Oklahoma State's kind of breathing down their neck at this point. Um, 
I just think that they've been, they've been able to do this all year. They've been able to cover pretty consistently. I think they do it again. Yeah, I think so too. I think Cincinnati's got to have it. I think, I mean, throughout the season, I've just been betting on them to lose a game when it's like one of five, they're, they're, they'll lose one of those five. When it's four, you're like, hey, they'll still probably drop one of these. They'll blow up. But when it's just one game left, it's Cincinnati. They're going to win this one game. Knock on wood. I've, I've watched college football long enough to where I'll be sprinkling, if not putting a full unit on Houston. I know how these things really. Are. I see yeah. you. I get um, why it's it, it's lazy football analysis. It's narrative football analysis. I'm not giving you guys any X's and O's. Um, I'm actually kind of embarrassed how how um, not in the know I am on Houston's team this year, and kind of how they're structured. But the, all the pressure in the world is on Cincy, and Houston's just all they got to do is play spoiler man, and they get to win a, a championship on top of it. Like there's True. no easier position to be in in football. It would be really um, fun for them to win this championship. They would, and also, that would mean so much to them with the way yeah, Cincinnati's been talked too. about. Dude. Um, mm. Because then if Bama loses. Oklahoma State's <laughs> right there. You put in one loss, Notre Dame. Oh, my God. I go Oklahoma State. No, Oklahoma State is in if they win. I want to yeah. make that clear. Assuming Bama... I, Oklahoma State is in if they win, regardless of what Cincy and Alabama do to me. I agree. Once you are a power five conference champion, and that's the next game we get to, so we might as well get into that. Mm -hmm. They take on Baylor five and a half point favorites. Gundy's put together one of the best defenses in his uh in his career. Surprisingly, not a ton of prospects on either side here. Um, but man, two really well coached teams. Um, and two teams that are fun to watch. Um, that Oklahoma State offense can get a little wacky. And again, I've seen this movie before. I've seen Oklahoma State have the stars align, and all they need is one dub, and it just doesn't happen. Yep. Right. And um, they, they beat Oklahoma, obviously, last week. It would have been like a month since they'd played a close game. They've just been blowing everybody out. Mm -hmm. I mean, gave up zero points the week before, 17 the week before that. A pretty big number for them. Put up 63, though. So that uh, puts those concerns yeah. out. Three points for that. Three points before that. It's been a competitive Big 12. We're not seeing Oklahoma mm. blow teams out. We're not seeing Texas, yep. who's below 500, blow teams out. This has been a competitive Big 12. And Oklahoma State's been like a legit step above the rest. I worry about the um, letdown. And again, it's another team coming on. They just beat, they just beat the final bad guy. It sucks when you beat the final <laughs> bad guy and yet all your objectives are still ahead of you. Absolutely. That being that being said, that defense has really like turned it up stellar throughout stellar. the year. So yes. yes. And I don't know, man. I haven't I feel kind of lazy saying this, but I, I haven't because I haven't watched too much Baylor, but I feel like Baylor I don't know offensively if they have the firepower of recent years. I, I feel like every time I check the scoreboard, it's like a 27-17 game with them. Um, if you get them in these low scoring games, I'm going to take the D the better defensive team. I'm going to take Oklahoma state. Great point. It, yep. it is a nice matchup against Baylor. Um, but yeah, you know, that is a scenario. I think, um, I think right now, Georgia, Oklahoma state, um, 
Michigan. Cincy and Michigan and not in that order because, you know, they'd be one, two, SEC, Big Ten. And I think Oklahoma State and then Cincy is how that play out. Assuming they all win, it seems like a pretty easy. But if Bama wins, Bama is in. Yep. Bama is just mm-hmm. in. And Georgia, too. Georgia Probably. is the one team in the country that is a lock. They're all, they are already in the playoffs, yes. Yep. I think... So, I mean, first of all, let's just run through basically what I think are the two scenarios. So, first of all, let's just say Bama wins. So, Bama's in, Georgia's in. Then it's whoever, if, if two of three Michigan, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State win, then those two are in, right? If all... Th- mm-hmm. Oh, right? The Cincinnati, only other one Oklahoma would be State. Notre Dame, and they obviously don't have a game, so... Well, right. But, so wait. So, Bama wins. Bama and Georgia are in... Who are you saying are the other two in if Oklahoma State, Michigan, and Cincy all win? If they all win, that's a tough question. I think you got to leave Cincy out, right? Yes, agreed. I think we all. Oh, agree. man. You think they're yeah, going to get sniped to. at the line like that? You have oh, to. That you have to. Brutal, dude. You oh have to. God. If Michigan wins, they're not. They're another like automatic. Um, mm-hmm. And I kind of feel Oklahoma State's there too. If I think I think Georgia, Michigan, Oklahoma State, and Bama, if any of them win, they're in. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. I think let's let's go like the other way. Say Georgia wins. Um yeah, Michigan. They're in wins. and Bama's out. Yep. They're in. Mm-hmm. They're they're the Georgia one, Michigan two. And then Cincinnati, Oklahoma State win, then they're obviously all exactly. In. That right. is the chalk, and that that's mm-hmm. what the committee is probably rooting for. That's the least chaos. Possible. So yeah, <laughs> Team Chaos wants Georgia, Michigan, Cincinnati, or I guess one of Cincinnati or Oklahoma to lose, because then you got to. That's when you get Notre Dame in the equation, and that's when chaos really breaks out, right? Or that's... you go full chaos and say Georgia wins. Michigan loses, Cincinnati oh, God. wins. I don't know. Oklahoma State wins or lose. I mean, the any way that you can get Notre Dame into the conversation would be a lot of fun because you yeah. just know that they're going to say, "Well, came it was close, and they didn't have a coach, and so we just had to Hold go on. another route." That timeline would probably ruin me because that would probably put Ohio State back in the playoff. And after beating Ohio State, to watch them get back in the playoff would be absolutely heartbreaking. Now. And also, I don't know. Now it would be really interesting because that scenario you would be faced with a one-loss Cincinnati who didn't win their conference. They're out against a one-loss Notre Dame who hasn't. Who they beat? <laughs> who, who they beat? <laughs> Jesus! So they both have one loss. Neither has. So that would be the head-to-head. If Ohio State could start to jump in there, because then you say, "Well, screw Cincinnati, Notre Dame. We don't want to deal with those guys." Let's go to the next one down. Oh. It could be Ohio State, but that assumes Oregon doesn't win the Pac-12. Right. Because if Oregon wins the Pac-12, they are two losses just like Ohio State, but they have a conference championship and they have the head-to-head. So there is a small scenario where I think Oregon could be considered ahead of Notre Dame and ahead of Ohio State. Just to... Just to throw this out there, I'm playing with 538's simulator. They yeah. say if nothing, not counting any other results, if Oregon wins, they've got a 17% chance of getting in. Notre Dame has a 12. So they say a win for Oregon puts them ahead of Notre Dame. 
do they have any percentages for a two-loss Baylor or two-loss Iowa if they were to win there? So Baylor, Baylor wins. There's a 56% chance they get in. Um, Iowa wins 26% chance. And that's, again, just with no other results in any of those scenarios. Yeah. Um, yeah. Would that be not be the most like 2021 season thing to happen? All the favorites lose oh, in the conference championship I mean, weekend. It, and it's just, we need a 12 team playoff. All these teams deserve a shot. Oh, God. <laughs> just wait till it happens. <laughs> just wait until Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Cincinnati are all sitting on the sideline. Oh, Gotta man. give them a chance. It's like, by God, there's Oklahoma's <laughs> music. Oklahoma's back in it now all of a sudden. Gee, and yeah. the best part is it's we have all these wild. conversations and Georgia's going to win both their games by 20 in the CFP and be the next. I know. Champion. Yeah, it's not going to matter. <laughs> <laughs> that, exactly. Exactly. That's the hilarity of it all is it's interesting to us, but it, it could be a 64-team playoff. It could be back to the old BCS format. It's no Georgia. matter what. Georgia is going to roll every team by 20. Exactly. Um, so there you go. But we got to see it first. I got to see Stenson Bennett get it done on Saturday. That's I a just big want one. Chaos. That's a big one. We all want chaos. Those are oh, our picks. <laughs> yeah, there you go. He wants Michigan. Um, <laughs> I just want to watch college football because it will be glorious. All right, fellas, that's it for us. Thanks for tuning in. A belated happy Thanksgiving and early happy holidays and happy Hanukkah to you all. And uh, we'll be back next week.